Welcome to my podcast, Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm Renee Beery, an interior designer with a passion for managing construction projects, large and small. My mission is to empower women, both homeowners and interior designers, to manage renovation projects like a pro. My goal in sharing my knowledge and experience from working in the field for the past 29 years will allow you to avoid the mistakes I have seen and go into projects confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your projects will be as smooth and as successful as possible. I am so excited for you all to hear the conversation I had with today's guest. This episode stems from a previous episode number 82, where I discussed the three ways I utilize photography on all of my projects. And that episode got a ton of interest and lots of questions. So I reached out to my friend, Linda Holt and asked her to come on and share her wealth of knowledge in the photography world so that each of us can learn how to improve our skills, what to look for, and how to take the best photos on our own. Linda is a former professional photographer specializing in headshots for celebrities, actors, and models in the Boston area. She pivoted her career into the interior design field and took those skills and implemented them into our field. Over the past few years, she has put aside her heavy cameras and now shoots exclusively with her iPhone and her Samsung phones. She has become an expert in smartphone photography and photo editing. You will love our conversation. You will walk away with so many new tips and tricks. I can't wait to get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Last week, I teased this episode. I'm so excited to bring on my friend, Linda Holt. We had an episode number 82 at the end of July where I talked about the type of photography I use for my own personal use inside my business on every construction project. To recap, it was one for memory, two for social media, and then three for portfolio. And to my surprise, it was an extremely popular episode, which told me that designers aren't using photography enough or they're worried they're not using photography enough. And so I reached out to my friend Linda, who is an expert on how to use an iPhone on job sites to take the photography, because that's typically what we are all using. And whether we're using it properly or not is the debate that we're going to have today. So without further ado, I want to introduce my friend Linda Holt and we'll get all of her tips and tricks. So good morning, Linda. Good morning, Renee. So nice to be a guest on your podcast. Thanks for inviting me. And of course, we're talking about my absolute favorite subject on the planet. So I'm really happy to be here and share some tips and tricks for your listeners. Wonderful. So tell our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself and how you got into this. Sure. So my background is I was a professional photographer for a little over 25 years. I had a big studio in downtown Boston and I had a very specialized niche. I did commercial headshots. So I photographed actors, models, singers, comedians, celebrities. And I did that for many, many years. But my 
other lifelong passion besides photography had always been decorating. You know, I was the typical kid rearranging the bedroom, lugging things in from the garage or that I'd find in the attic and doing something with it in my room. And so I'd always loved design. And then in 2008, when we had the big recession, my photography business literally in a matter of three days went from a fully booked calendar to nothing. And I was really kind of burned out at that point. I had been doing it for so many years. So I decided it was good for me, somewhat of a sign from the universe. I closed my studio and I went back to school and I decided to go in a different direction and pursue my other lifelong passion, which was interior design. So I went to school for two years, opened up my business, Linda Holt Creative in 2011, never did anything with photography, thought it would confuse people if I told them that I was a photographer. So I kept silent about it. And then it just kind of came to me as more and more designers were struggling, trying to get photos on their smartphone. I would help them a little bit. And everyone kept saying, oh, you should teach a class. And anyway, so I decided to really combine my two loves. And now I do both interior design, mainly I specialize in consultations, but I've become really passionate involved with teaching interior designers, stagers, other home professionals, how to use their smartphone to get magazine quality photos. So that's my my newest thing. And it is a huge need, at least I, I can speak only for myself, but I have a feeling because of so many people listening to the last episode, it is something that designers either don't feel qualified to do, don't know how to do, or really what to do with them. And so let's break this out. So in the last episode, I talked about, I use photos for my memory. I can't possibly remember every detail about every room six months later, right? And or longer, depending on when you first see the project to demo, construction, and final fit out. And now those are probably not great looking photos, but they tend to get the job done. But I know I could improve upon them because we'll sort of tie into, I use them on social media. And that is probably debatable is that whether that social media is a great thing for the designers or not. It's definitely something and some of us see as more of a burden but it is an amazing tool to get across what we do. And so I'll go on a job site and of course there's LED work lights and, you know, the electrical has been demoed. So there's horrible shadows everywhere. And I just stand there and snap away. And I think these probably could be better looking because I'll use them later and go, Oh, I'm going to post this. And then I try to make some edits inside Instagram app and it's pretty corny or cheesy looking. And, So even just for that level of work or that level of photography, what can a designer do to make it look maybe not magazine quality or maybe that is possible, but something that's a little bit more eye-catching in social media? Sure. Well, honestly, the behind the scenes shots, or especially if you're, you know, doing the daily updates on a construction site, nobody expects those to look magazine quality. What people really care about on social media is they want to see, they're fascinated about the life of a designer and the behind the scenes. But you can do several things if it's really a mess of the job site. Definitely try and position yourself so there's the least amount of clutter or junk. So if you can move, you know, an inch to the left to get those LED lights maybe right 
off the frame, you know, out of your shot, or if you can get in a little bit closer, or if you can just ask even the the subs or who's ever working on the site, you know, for literally a minute, can we turn off the LED lights? Because that, there's nothing you can do to edit the shadows you're going to get from those really hard lights. Ask them if we can turn it off. And if they're not working at night, you're going to have still plenty of light. It's going to make a real difference not to get those hard shadows and those hot spots. So again, turning off the lights, even for a moment, you know, 30 seconds, you can get your shot. And then think about your composition. What's really important? What do you want to show on social media? Do you want to show the framing of something that's going up? Do you want to show a fireplace around that's going in? But really, lighting and composition are the two key things. But again, don't stress too much about it because, again, people want to see real life. They're not worried about seeing, they're not magazine quality at that point. They are just like a memory for you of, oh, yeah, this is what's happening. You can show your client, look at the progress we've made today. But lighting, especially if you can just turn off those on those lights on a stand because they are going to ruin your photo. But again, a second or two or get there early in the morning before the subs arrive, grab your shots and you can move things around and then, you know, just go really early. That's my other suggestion. That's a great idea. And also I found and I don't always remember this, but everybody loves that before and after shot. And so there are times where I have this fabulous after shot and I go back and look at my memory photos and I don't have that exact same angle. And I thought, mm. and you know, it's one of those yeah. massive regrettable moments. Yep. So how do you sort of track that? Do you actually recommend people sort of write it down or how is that? a? That's really a big one. And what I suggest is, for your before photos, you can never take too many. So this is what I do when I do a before photo or session. First of all, I stand, if I can, in the middle of each of the four walls and shoot straight ahead. Then I stand in each of the four corners and shoot into the corner. Then I photograph any kind of architectural features at all. So a fireplace, especially if I know for sure that I'm going to be changing the fireplace around, or an archway if I know I'm going to be taking it down. So I will stand all over the place and think ahead of time, what am I going to change in my design that I'm going to want to get a before and after? And so it's some pre-planning. So maybe it's not the very first day you visit the site, but when you go back to take your measurements, you will have had a little time you know, we all think about our design, even before, you know, pencil hits the paper, we're thinking about, oh, I'm going to change that, I'm going to do that. So if you can kind of plan out ahead of time and make a little shot list, but photograph everything. I one time had designed a wall of built-ins, and I totally forgot in my measurements that there was a air vent in the wall that could not be moved. And I only found, remembered it when I went back to my photos and I looked at that wall and I'm like, oh my God, there's that air vent. So we had to design the built-in around that air vent. But had I not gone back and looked at those photos, I would have totally forgotten because I, when I took my measurements, I didn't put it in my plan. Just a mistake on my part, but photos don't lie. I rely on my photos so heavily. I look with a client job, I'm looking at them constantly if I'm doing any kind of design. Even for window treatments, what's the stack back space 
before it hits the corner of a window or, you know, those weird corner fireplaces with windows next to them. We have our measurements, but photos for me, I guess, because I'm a more visual person, as I think the most designers are, look at your photos. So take, you know, even if you take 50 photos that day, just put them in a folder on your phone, label it with that client job, and you can always refer back to them. I agree 100%. I'm a visual and I do the same thing. I, I mark up plans and inevitably I might miss an outlet. And mm-hmm. maybe there's a drapery panel now covering an outlet and I'm intending to use that outlet for a floor lamp. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. well, that's going to be ugly. Or, mm-hmm. you know, actually there was once where there was a return vent and it was going to be behind the drapery panel. I thought, well, that certainly won't be successful or the ones right. on the floor, right? Yep. And they billow the panel out. Yes. So I agree yep. with you. That's perfect to say that the photos don't lie and we can't be, there's no way to remember everything, right? right. And, and we're only human. So there are going to be things we miss and that's your, basically your backup, right? right? You can go check those photos and make sure you got everything. And it also will remind me of like, oh, it, you know what? This doesn't match up. Even if I did measure it, I'll say, mm-hmm. wow, this photo, it looks, it looks closer than what right. I measured. Let me yes. go back and check that yep. measurement. Exactly. So I so agree. I think the, memory is important. It is. And if you get the overall room by getting all the four walls, then start thinking about every single little detail, the ceiling, don't forget the ceiling. There are vents in the ceiling. There are, you know, smoke alarms in the ceiling, which is going to come into play. If you think you're going to want to do a wallpapered ceiling, maybe you don't. If there are, you know, five or six things in your ceiling, like there are in my condo, there's, you know, smoke alarms and there there's sprinklers and there's a CO2 monitor and there's the intake outtake vent. So photograph the detail shots, the overall and then architectural features, and you should be covered for anything down the line. I agree. And I also agree with you. People are fascinated by that. They want to hear that you and I photograph and pay attention to floor registers. And Mm -hmm. why? Well, because it'll make your curtains billow. And, you know, I think what I think designers need to do, and I myself need to do is constantly take a step back from what we know and realize that it's not obvious to everyone else. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's because it's so ingrained in what we do, we forget Mm -hmm. that this is kind of interesting. You know, sometimes I'll even ask my girlfriends, I'll be like, Hey, I'm working on this project and whatever it is they ask about, I go, okay, so that isn't obvious to you. And it just is a good reminder because we're so in what we do that we forget that that is not something people normally think about. And that's where people will trip themselves up. Exactly. We're human. We all make mistakes. I mean, I didn't intend to forget about that air vent right in the middle. It was in the worst location. It was right in the middle of a living room wall, but we disguised it. We worked around it and, you know, we put a little thing in front of it in the bookcase area and it was fine. But had I not remembered it by looking at the photos, it would have been a solid, you know, would have been more complicated for the builder. He would have had to then go in and cut it, you know, cut it out after the fact and photos can save you. They really can. Absolutely. And then we touched on it briefly, but the world of social media is upon us. And if you're not participating, you're losing out, in my opinion. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I don't participate as consistently as I need to because, again, we're all just crazy busy. (sighs) But I do find that my social media posts from my camera need a lot of editing and, and they don't always reflect what I want it to reflect. And Mm. therefore, I think that my photography skills distract from the work. 
And I know you are a big fan of, I don't know how you best put it, of framing the photos so that things Mm -hmm. aren't aligned. And I don't notice it until I load it into social media. And then all of a sudden I'm like, huh, that is angled or that is funny or something's diminished or something's, you know, askew. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about how to, you know, avoid all of that? Sure. So that's actually what I think is the most common mistake that interior designers make when they're photographing their work is the problem with the smartphone is the normal default lens. So when you open up your camera to take a picture, it opens up to the 1X lens. So if you have like a one of the newer phones, you have the option of the wide angle, a telephoto, but it will always open into the normal lens. That normal lens is actually a wide angle lens. So for people that are familiar with digital cameras and lens lengths, the normal lens on a smartphone is equivalent to about a 28 millimeter lens on a digital camera. That is considered a wide angle lens. And what happens with wide angle lens is it distorts the line. So you're going to get bending lines. They're either going to converge or diverge. And that is just a principle of photography. So the one thing that designers can do to help get the line straighter is to be sure they're holding their phone correctly. Now, the way you hold your phone correctly is it should never be pointing up or down or tipped left to right. And sometimes you think you're holding it nice and straight, but even if you're off by the tiniest amount, it can skew your lines. So what I always tell designers to do is always go in and turn on your in-camera grid because the in-camera grid, and if you don't know how to do that, I just tell your listeners, it's easy. You just go into settings, scroll down to you find camera, click on camera. And when the next window opens, then scroll down and you find grid, toggle on the grid and keep it on. So what the grid is, it's a series of horizontal and vertical lines that will appear on your camera screen when you go to take a photo. It won't be on your final picture. It's just on the screen. That way you can use the grid as a guide and you can choose something in your interior, whether it's a door frame or the edge of a window or even a horizon line if you're outside. And if you line up your grid lines to something in your photo that you know is perfectly horizontal or vertical, that is going to assure you that your phone is held straight and level and you will have less bending lines. So just simply by holding the phone correctly can make a big difference. Okay, well, that would explain a lot since I do not have grids on my camera, but I will as of today. Go go turn it on, Renee, and then match up the grid lines. That will, it's going to make such a big difference in your photos because now you won't have lines that are converging or diverging if you can get your phone level. Okay, and then so we're going to talk about portfolio photos in a minute, but I, I don't see social media photos being as formal as a portfolio need. And so what other hints and tricks? Because, you know, some of the things I find is I'm taking photos and the client's standing there or the contractor standing there and they're yammering away and I'm trying to take photos to save time. And, and I know that's probably not my best, you know, avenue to get the best photo. But do you have any other recommendations for sort of in the moment, you know, you're not going to be staging the rooms and things like right. that for a, a social media photo. What else right. would you suggest designers do? Well, if you're going to be doing behind the scenes, my suggestion is to put it either on reels or in stories. Keep your feed 
for your more curated, beautiful images of your work. So those would be more portfolio quality. But people don't expect to see great quality photos, either in reels or in stories. And I think the more important thing is not to worry so much about your composition if you're going to be doing behind the scenes, but it's more important that they're not dark because then people can't see what they're looking at. So absolutely, you need to learn how to control the exposure manually. So, so often when we're in an interior, it looks dark. And there's no point in putting that in stories or reels. It's just, I think it's going to hurt your credibility as a designer because you're posting a really bad photo and it reflects on you. I mean, it really reflects on your photography skills, but overall it ends up reflecting on you as a designer. So you need to manually set the exposure on your phone, you know, if it looks too dark when you're about to shoot it and then put it in stories or put it in, put it on reels and that's fine. That's fine. I don't think you have to be so obsessive about a perfect photo. People expect behind the scenes to be real life. Okay. But and now, again, you don't want them dark. Agreed. So here's the big question. If you're doing a room with lamps, do you turn the lamps on or off? I feel like there's like a, no one's in the middle on this one. They either oh, like them lit no. or unlit. Oh yeah, absolutely. You got to turn off the lights. Absolutely. No question. <laughs> you know, it used to be, I mean, look in, look in shelter magazines. There's never a light on ever. Never. Interior design photographers, professionals, $10,000 a day professionals. First thing they do, walk in and turn off every single light. Crappy real estate photographers. First thing they do, go in and turn on every single light. You do not want your beautiful design interiors to look like a crappy real estate photo. Turn off the lights. I'll tell you the two main problems with keeping the lights on. Number one, wherever the lights hit, you're going to get hot spots. You're going to get shadows cast. It's going to ruin your shot. But another problem is whatever temperature bulb is in that lamp is going to cast that color hue onto your image. So if you have a warm bulb, let's say you have overhead, you know, recessed lighting, all with warm bulbs in it, you're going to get like a yellow or an orangey cast over your whole room. It'll be on the wall, it'll be on the fabric. So your, you know, maybe off-white walls are going to appear light yellow, or I see this all the time, or pink, or they're going to photograph not true to color. Now, if you want to, you know, say, well, I can go in and color correct them in editing, you're still going to get shadow. So absolutely, positively, if your listeners don't remember one thing from this podcast, turn off the lights. Honestly, the lights will ruin everything. So turn off the lights, shoot with available light. And the new phones, oh my God, they are so amazing. If you have a phone that you've purchased within the last like two years, whether it's a Android or an iPhone, you will have night mode. So night mode will allow your camera to take light photos in very low light. So there's no reason to keep the lights on. People always think they have to turn them on to make them bright turn them off. And if you have a camera that's so old and it's time to upgrade it anyway, your photos are going to be like amazingly better for you because each model that comes out, the cameras get better and better. And I just have to say this to your listeners, because you mentioned this in the beginning that a lot of designers don't take a lot of photos because they think they're not capable. I have to tell you, I mean, I owned Nikons my whole you know, from for 25 years, I worked with 
really expensive Nikon cameras, $5,000 lenses. The cell phone that I have, the two cell phones I have today, and I shoot with both a Samsung and I shoot with an iPhone, they are better than the last $5,000 Nikon that I used that's eight years ago. The phones today are, their camera is an amazing professional level tool, but designers need to shift their mindset and stop thinking it's a quote, crappy cell phone photo and give their camera the respect that it needs. Think about the shot, act as if they're shooting with a $10,000 digital camera, frame the shot, think about the lighting because that camera is an amazing tool. So it does the work for us today. So anybody, and I don't care how bad you think of a photographer you are, with today's phones, everybody can take professional level photos. So it's just important for me to spread that word because you it's really the cameras are amazing today. They really are. <laughs> No, it's incredible to hear. My sister is a photographer and years ago, she and I would go on trips together and I would literally stand right next to her with my little digital camera and she'd have her lenses in and we would take the exact same photo of the exact same thing and mine would look crappy and hers would be this magnificent photo. And I think I had the same lighting. I had the same you know, object in front of me and what did I do wrong? And at the time she said, well, it's the lens inside your camera. It's a, you know, a lower quality lens, but that's amazing to hear. And, and I do think, and we'll get into this in a minute with portfolio work. I mean, investing in a new phone may sound like a lot, but when you start pricing out professional oh. photographers, it's a dime a a, a day, new phone basically. is a photographer for half a day. If, Honestly. If <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd never heard about the dark mode, I will say, and probably will be a little embarrassed to admit. I always wondered why we never have flash anymore, whether it's even an option on the phone. It, you know, you remember all those days you blink when you didn't know it was going right. to go off, but I've never utilized the dark mode you right. know, well, on the phone. You don't even have to do anything to use dark mode. It just automatically comes on and into usage. In fact, if you don't want it on, you actually have to go and turn it off if there's a, there is a way to do that. If you don't, you know, the, this is the funny thing about dark mode. I was trying to shoot the stars a couple of weekends ago. So it was pitch dark at night. I had my camera on a tripod. But the thing with dark mode, it wants to make everything really bright <laughs> to make it look really well lit. I actually had to go into the camera and turn off dark mode so that I could shoot the stars so it would look like the stars in the night sky and not like this bright <laughs> this bright sky. But yeah, dark mode will just kick on. You don't have to do anything. So if you are in an internal space, dark mode will activate. Now you may, one problem is with dark mode, it could be a you know six, seven second exposure if you're in a really, if you're in a basement or say an internal bathroom. So in that case, you have a different issue. The photo will be well lit, but it might be blurry because you've been hand-holding your phone for six or seven seconds. So in that case, it really pays to invest, you know, 25, 35 bucks in a cheap tripod, which is all you need from Amazon and, and an adapter. So you can put your phone in the adapter, put it on the tripod. You can set the timer on your camera and then dark mode can be 10 seconds and your photo will still be sharp as a tack. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay. And I love that it it's basically dummy proof. It's already there. Yep. It's already working behind the scenes. So designers don't have to worry about, oh, do I need dark mode? Do I not need dark mode? Right. It media rooms on. are all the rage now and they're yep. very hard to photograph. Yep. Oh yeah, they are, but you can. And it's only with a newer phone. So 
that's another reason to upgrade to a newer model phone. Okay. And so we've been teasing this conversation that we're going to have about portfolio photos. And Mm -hmm. Linda and I were talking before we started recording about the need for professional looking portfolio photos. And most designers think I need to hire someone to do that. And I have done that. The photos on my website are not taken by me. I I didn't trust myself to do that. And it it is a significant investment in every project. And there are designers who have been doing this for years. They basically earmark that money on day one of the project. Whereas I think a lot of designers don't realize that, the expense that it can be. And so they get to the end of the project and they think, oh my gosh, that's thousands of dollars. I didn't make that much on this project because of X, Y, and Z issues. And so what do I do now? And then the other issue I find is there are homeowners who are not willing to let you take professional photos. And I, in the past, uh, will admit that I didn't have it very clearly spelled out in my contracts with clients and it gave them an out. And I removed that because over the years, there were one or two, not many, but one or two that said, no, I'm sorry, I'm not comfortable. And, and quite frankly, and you know, Linda and I talked about this is marketing. This is how we get our next project. And as I pointed out to one of these women, I said, you looked at my portfolio photos in order to hire me. So you knew the need that I had for these photos. So now going forward, every client, you know, has to agree that I can take photos. And we do, obviously, we don't identify the name and the address and personal identification. I even will go to the extreme of if there are personal photos, say, in your living room and things, I will either have the photographer sort of blur them out, or I will just remove them entirely because I I live in a small enough town. I don't want people to say, oh, is that Linda's house? You know, it's not appropriate for that. But Talk to me about sort of that in-between, right? You need these photos. You need them to not be dark, uh, not be blurry. You need them framed properly. And yet you don't have thousands of dollars. And plus, it's not just the cost. It's invading a client's home for a day, maybe two. You have to stage it. You have to buy props. You have to. It's an extensive undertaking when I take photos, portfolio level photos of my clients' houses. But there is a better option and there are different ways you can go about it. And Linda, this is where this is your forte. I would never discourage someone if they have the money And the project is worthy of hiring the best interior photographer you can find. I think the problem is 90% of interior designers, or when they're starting out, don't have the budget. And to hire a really top-notch interior design professional, do not hire a wedding photographer or a portrait photographer or your husband's cousin's friend who's really good at taking pictures, you will just throw your money away. So there's just like in design, there's all levels. But if you have a project that is so, you know, amazing, that has beautiful furniture, and you have the budget, absolutely hire the professional. Most designers starting out don't have that situation. And a lot of designers have those kind of jobs once every couple of years that really warrants spending that kind of money. Now, I live in Boston. A good interior photographer in Boston is going to be between three and $5,000 for the day. 
that is most people's profit on on the, you know on the job a lot of times but also not every project even if you're a big name designer warrants hiring a professional photographer you know the husband wanted to keep his barca lounger from college or the artwork is really questionable or you know there's just things in the room that you don't want to photograph so this is my feeling if you have a job that warrants it and you have the budget hire the professional. If you have a job that warrants it, but you don't have the budget, hire the photographer, but just for what I call the money shot, the shots that are going to be really hard for you to get. Maybe the shot because there's a giant, you know, picture window with the ocean outside with glare, and there's no way you're going to be able to get that with your smartphone because the professional will take multi-photos and then sandwich them together in editing. Those are really complicated shots that the average smartphone photographer is not going to know how to do. But if you hire the photographer for just to come in and make it clear, I just want you to get one or two shots, you with your smartphone can get all the detail shots, all the vignettes, because that is where the smartphone shines on those close-up shots, on those detail shots, on those vignettes. Then the third option is I have no budget. I am just starting out. I can't afford any, you know, any photographer. Then you need to spend the time and learn how to use your camera, learn how to use the features of the camera, learn how to get the best photos possible of your camera. Because honestly, point and shoot and hoping that it's going to come out is not going to come out. You have to take the time to go through the thought process. You know, what are the the shots I want to get that's going to show my work to the best, you know, what's going to be the optimal lighting. Probably you're going to need to learn a little bit of editing skills so you can correct lines if they're bowing in or bowing out, but it's not hard to learn these things. It just takes a little bit of time, but there's always a place for the professional. But again, it's budget. And like you said, homeowners, when the professional comes in, they take over your house, they're moving furniture around, they're bringing in props. It can be very unnerving for the homeowner. You who've established a wonderful rapport with your client at this point, they're going to have very little issue with you coming in with your, you know, your smartphone and doing some, some photos. Generally, they're not going to object to that. I think that's a really interesting point because you're right. I have had clients very uncomfortable with a photographer coming in because we were there to shoot the living room and the dining room. And we show up and the client's fussing around like, oh, don't don't look at the front hall and oh, my kitchen's a mess. And I'm going, we don't care. We're not mm-hmm. here for that. But they they feel there's another professional that they don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like having company over. And then, mm-hmm. and then it's uncomfortable. Plus- right. We've had people, I don't personally overstyle my photos. I believe that once the room is done, it's done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But on occasion, we've pulled in something from another room or we've moved something. And once or twice, a client has said, well, why don't we do that permanently? Or mm-hmm. why is it, you know, you can really, a designer can back themselves into an awkward situation. Right. Um, I have some designers who will hire a stylist and they literally bring a truckload oh, it's, full oh, yeah, it's of amazing. things yeah. and they accessorize the whole house mm-hmm. and then they remove it all. Mm-hmm. And I've had, you know, those designers say, well, 
it was awkward. I didn't know if I should pay for those accessories and leave them behind. The mm-hmm. homeowner didn't understand why we were clearing her bookcases and putting in new things. Because yeah. like you said, not every room is photo worthy right. of a professional. But I right. love your idea of getting the money shots because mm-hmm. you're right. Most rooms have a money shot. They do. But, but most rooms don't have every shot. Right. And you're paying that photographer to get the detail shot that you can literally stand, point and shoot, and you're going to get the same shot as the professional. Where it comes in where you need the professional is when the lighting gets really complicated, like outside, you know, views, if you want to show the outside at the same time as the inside, or complicated, more if they have to bring in lighting, you know, more complicated lighting situations. That is when you need to hire the professional, but you don't have to hire them to get the the bookcase, a little snippet of the bookcase with your styling or the shooting the coffee table. Think of all of those shots are just made for the smartphone. So don't waste the money having the professional do that. You don't need it. And anything for social media, you can just pretty much use your, your phone. Well, and I think it's fascinating you mentioned the vignettes because I I am old enough and have been doing this almost 30 years. And back then, they wanted a whole room shot. That was the money shot. And um, you lose a lot of details in mm-hmm. those because they're obviously at a distance and mm-hmm. there's a lot to take in. And over the years, I see less and less of those all, you know, whole room shots and mm-hmm. considerably more vignettes. And yes. sometimes... I'll see a vignette or several vignettes of a designer's room and I want to see the rest of the room and it's not offered. They didn't even Mm -hmm. take it. And of course it leaves me with, well, is the rest of the room unfinished? And like you said, is there a Barco lounger in the corner? And that's possible. But I I agree. I think the world is turning more towards the really close up tight shots that, as you said, we can take those on our iPhones and not pay a professional to do those. And you know why that is, is because the whole world is looking at those rooms on a on their phone, on Instagram, or on TikTok, or wherever. And you have about a, think of it, about a three-inch square piece of real estate that people are looking at your room. And if they're looking at a full room on a three-inch, you know, little screen, little piece of real estate, they can't see any of the detail shots. But by shooting in those vignettes, they can clearly see, oh, look at the wallpaper, look at the, you know, the hardware on that chest. They can actually make out things. We're in the big rooms. It's like, oh yeah, well, there's some big rich person's house, a big room, but they don't really get to see the details and the public wants to see those detail shots. So it's really, I think, the evolution of how we view photos, which isn't in a double spread magazine anymore. It's on a little phone screen as we're scrolling down Instagram. So we have evolved for the photos to fit how the viewer is looking at it. So those shots are going to have much more impact than the big, you know, room shots, which you probably want to put on your portfolio. But the shots people like the most are the vignettes and the details so they can actually see what they're looking at. Well, and for new designers, if you've just done one room and you take one room photo, doesn't look like you've done a lot. But if you take five vignettes inside that room, all of a sudden you have five photos. And and I know that sounds trivial, but quantity does count and it lends credibility. Yes. You know, they may not 
the person looking at it may not actually realize that all five of those are from the Mm -hmm. same room. Right. And that's how a lot of designers can get their start, even in their own home. Do little vignettes, even if their home is not, you know, beautifully decorated and designed. Most designers starting out, you know, we all live in homes that don't look like our clients' home. Let's face it. Well, maybe I would say, I I don't. I say we all suffer from the shoemaker's child syndrome. Exactly, exactly. So a designer can just set up a few vignettes, style your coffee table beautifully. If you have a bookcase, even if you have to go to like HomeSense and buy some things to style the bookcase, just do little vignettes in your home to get started on Instagram or to have something in your portfolio section. And that will, you will eventually evolve into getting, you know, to the point where you'll budget in $10,000 in your client's proposal, knowing you're going to have, you know, famous Joe photographer come in and shoot it and then get it published in a shelter magazine. But that is all steps on the ladder. No one is going to start off unless they're independently wealthy and their clients, you know, have huge budgets to go from, you know, starting to that level. It's, it's a series of steps. Start off with what you can do. Everybody has a smartphone. Everybody. Start off with your smartphone. Start off with vignettes. Start off shooting your coffee table. Start off shooting, you know, a little corner in your kitchen with some bookcases and some and a bowl with some herbs in it. Just look at the magazines, look at Pinterest, look at Instagram, find some inspiration photos and just copy them if you have to, just to get something to start building your portfolio, your Instagram account. But don't put bad full room shots up there. That is really going to keep you stuck because any client that sees that is just going to move on, move on. They're not going to be interested. I agree. And I, I'd rather they do nothing or, or post other people's work. And of course, always credit it that it is someone else's work than to put up a dark image because they will just, like you said, they'll just move on that you will be not even considered. So Linda, you mentioned something earlier, and I'm going to out myself that I am not a comfortable reels maker and mm-hmm. have tried. And I feel foolish every time I've tried, but I feel we've also evolved to lately, more reels that have images of rooms and less of the actual designer, which I can certainly get behind because the ones I did of myself, I think are just sort of embarrassing. And so tell me, you know, this is the new phenomenon, right? Everybody says Instagram is going Mm -hmm. to video and reels. And, And that is, again, like, I mean, hell, if the designers aren't comfortable taking photographs, they're certainly not taking videos of their projects. One that, you know, if I go on a job site, there might be 10 people. They don't mm-hmm. want to be in my video. And there, right. there are times I've taken videos because I need them for my memory. And they've not gotten upset, but they felt uncomfortable. Oh, mm-hmm. oh let me get out of here. And, sure. um, you know, there is privacy <clears throat> issues. So how do you suggest or do you think this is a fad or is this going to be sort of that new trend? I know the CEO of Instagram came out and said, no, 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 we're still going to love, you know, your still photos. But everybody else is saying the algorithm is going to just shove them to the, you know, the right. bottoms of the earth and only reels, only videos will be on people's feeds. How do you combat that? And, and what do you suggest about reels? And I think you have something coming up this fall that, that designers could take advantage of. I do. I have heard the same thing you have. And I guess actually just last week, the uh, CEO of Instagram came up with another announcement that they truly are, they want to make Instagram TikTok because TikTok is just blowing them out of the water. Everyone is on TikTok now, which is a whole nother issue to talk about. But 
reels, even in my experience, when I post a reel, the viewership is crazy. When I post a still photo, I can see it's getting less and less views. So you can't fight the algorithm. So if you want to be relevant on Instagram, you have to shift your mindset and do stories and reels. Now, reels for designer, in a way, can be kind of easy because you could do a beautiful reel by stitching together three or four still images with a trending audio over it and just maybe, you know, a little some captions. Or you could be yourself on, on reels if you want and talking about a product. There's all sorts of ways to do reels, but it's a it's frustrating because I personally don't like reels. I don't like watching reels. They're always loud and I'm usually watching them when I don't. For me, I used to like relax at like lunchtime or late afternoon, have a cup of coffee or something. And I'd scroll through and look at beautiful images because I follow designers and artists and photographers. Now it's all screaming reels in my feed. So as a consumer, and maybe it's just my age, I don't really care for reels, but I also have a business and I can't like chop off my nose to spite my face. So I make reels, I'm doing reels. And just as a little antidote of how successful reels are, especially if you're new at making them, when I post a reel, I get, and I don't have that many followers. I have a little under 8,000 followers or actually a little under 9,000 followers. I will get anywhere from 3,000 to 7,000 views on reels versus 20 to 40 views on my still images. But I just posted a reel, and I guess I could say this went viral. It had nothing to do with anything. It was a silly reel of my dog meeting up with another dog on a walk, and their tails were wagging frantically. And I put that little video, it was like 15 seconds. I put it to a trending audio. I got 36 thousand views in about 20 minutes. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. nuts. But I think reels is something that everybody needs to take seriously. And maybe it's going to, something new is going to come along. I don't know what it is yet, but we know first it was the feed. Then, oh, everyone had to do stories. Well, now everyone has to do reels. It's always going to be changing. So if it's you have a, as soon as I get comfortable uh, too, in one, me too, it's Renee, on to the next. <laughs> that's me. As soon as I finally like, all right, I'm on board, then it's over. <laughs> but I am doing reels and I'm actually going to be doing a reels training class in High Point Market at the Universal Furniture Showroom in October during the High Point Market with another designer, Claire Jefford. She is a video expert, and I'm a course still photographer expert. So we're going to have a little class, an actual hands-on workshop, teaching designers how to do reels, how to do them with, you know, how to get the best photos. We're going to walk around the showroom. I'm going to be instructing them if they want to do stitch together still photos, how to get the best still photos in a showroom. And you know, those showrooms have the world's worst lighting, spotlights hitting the furniture. It's horrible. They can't turn off those lights. I'll be showing designers how to deal with that. And then Claire is going to be teaching video, how to get the best video, and we're going to talk about editing, how to create the reel. So it's going to be an all-in-one, hands-on reels class this October. And Linda and I were talking about High Point. And for designers who are listening and have never been to High Point, I highly recommend you go. It is incredibly overwhelming. So be just be okay with that. And is incredibly exhausting. But it is such a... Um, it's such a wealth of knowledge. 
you know, you can, if you're new to the business, you can ask a gazillion questions of the showroom. They're there to educate you. And then like Linda's doing, there are classes. There's so much to do and learn at High Point, not to mention get some photos. Like Linda said, I mean, you can take photos of anything you see. And while it may not necessarily be your client, but if you talk about what you like in that photo or how you would utilize it in a client project, that also conveys that information to a potential client. They may see something that you take at Universal of a vignette of a sofa and table and chairs and you say, you know, this is something I would use in, who knows, uh, you know, a beach house. And then someone's looking at going, gosh, I really love that. And oh, she likes it. This designer likes it too. Maybe I'll connect with her. So I, I don't think you always have to have images of your own work in order to market your abilities and skills because you're also marketing your style. And so any image you take that you comment on reflects your style, whether uh, there's a lots of designers will post fashion shots. And again, I, you know, in the beginning, I was thinking, well, that's kind of unusual. And I thought, well, wait a minute, this is conveying her style, whether that is on a model in Paris, or whether that is going to translate into someone's living room. And so I think there's so many opportunities at High Point Market that I think designers can and should be taking advantage of. I personally don't think you need to go both spring and fall. But I think it, if you can make it, you know, once a year, once every other year, once every three years, it is something that's unusual in our design world because Linda and I were talking about this earlier. We often work alone or in an office of maybe three, four, five people. And you do lose that sense of community, that sense of what's going on. And I can assure you, it is <laughs> full frontal attack at high point of your community, what's going on, where the trends are going. And like I said, there's just an amazing amount of opportunities, both free and paid, that you can sign up for in advance. But Linda, I think this has been such an incredible experience for designers to listen to because as you and I are both saying, we are huge proponents of taking photographs, whether it's for your memory and, and just for your eyes only, or actually, as I told Linda earlier, I have clients that will email me, you know, six years out and say, hey, Renee, can you send me the photos of what's inside that bathroom wall for a variety of different reasons? And you say, sure, here they are, right? Because you're in your client folder under you know, memory shots or however you're going to collect them. But I think social media, again, you can hear probably through our conversation, I'm not a huge fan of it because it is uh, exhausting to keep up with what's new, what's next and, and stay ahead of or even up with whatever trend. But it is something that's here to stay. And I think as Linda and I talk, that it's something that we have to learn to be successful at. And then again, of course, the portfolio photos, like Linda said, I, I find that fascinating to do just the money shots. And actually, I'm thinking of a few clients myself where I might go back and do a money shot because there are some that are just worth seeing in the rest of the room. You know, I tell people I don't photograph all my work for a variety of reasons. One could be a Barco lounger or two, just because it wasn't what I want to reflect. I did the project for the house based on the client's style and mm. perhaps that's not more marketable in my area. But so Linda, how do we find more tips and tricks? I know you have this amazing download. I personally have it and I'm going to be working on some of the tips that I'd never heard of, by the way. Um, 
Aside from High Point, how how do they get more information on on your? I am really easy to find, very responsive. If anyone has any questions, they can reach out to me. But I am Linda Holt Creative pretty much everywhere. My website is lindaholtcreative.com. My Instagram is Linda Holt Creative. My Facebook is Linda Holt Creative. And I do have a, I just, it's brand new. It's a free little ebook and it's five smartphone photography tips for magazine-worthy interior photos. So everybody can go to either my website and download that. It's right on my homepage. Or in my bio on Instagram, I have that listed as well as a link if anyone is going to be at High Point and wants to check out the Reels class. The Let's Get Reels is the name of the class that I'm going to be doing with Claire Jefford. There's a link to that. So Instagram, you can, I'm, I'm on Instagram all day, Facebook too. So again, I'm really easy to reach. Anyone can reach out to me. And if anyone is really interested in taking their photography to the next level, I have a signature course I'm very proud of. And it's smartphone photography for interior designers. It's just the important information interior designers need to know. And honestly, I wrote the class because I was not an interior photographer. I did people. I knew nothing about interior photography. And my beginning interior photography photos of my iPhone were so atrocious, they're laughable. So I had to learn how to do interior photography as, you know, I looked everywhere for a course for how to shoot interiors with a smartphone. There wasn't anything out there. So I created it. And again, there's a link to more information about that on both my website and my Instagram if anyone wants to find out more about the class. And I'm going to be having a huge, I'm working up to it now, flash sale in either late September or early October. It's going to be the lowest price I have ever priced it, just for 48 hours. So if anyone wants to be on that mailing list, they just have to hit me up with a DM and I'll add them to the list. Or they can download the free ebook and I will. they'll be added to the list. Then they'll get all the information about the flash sale. And we'll also have those links on the on our site under this okay. podcast so that they, there's just no way you can't miss it. Great. Uh, because this is really important information and, and honestly becoming more and more important as we just discussed with Reels and TikTok and mm-hmm. who knows what they're going to dream up next. But they will dream it up and we will have mm-hmm. to pivot and be appropriately prepared for whatever it is that comes our right. way down the road. So Linda, I can't thank you enough. I know this is going to be something that people are listening to multiple times and hopefully taking lots and lots of notes. And uh, we'll follow up with you with any questions that they have after the episode. Great. Thank you so much, Renee. It's just been really an honor to be on your podcast. So well, thank you again having you. so much. Thanks. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening today and feel free to join me on social media at Davinia Design in order to stay up to date on the latest happenings in my construction world. There is more detailed information on my website for my signature courses for both homeowners and designers, as well as other material to help guide you through a successful renovation project. Make sure to follow my podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a tip. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the word, leave a review and tell your friends who are starting or are mid project. And thank you again for listening today.